Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that leaves no stone unturned in its examination of the property world. And today we're looking at a thriving part of that world, the European hotel sector. If we look at spending on holiday accommodation, both in the UK and internationally, since 2009, that's grown by 110%. So you can really see people are definitely traveling a lot more. But thriving today doesn't necessarily mean thriving tomorrow. So what does the sector need to do to future-proof itself? The banks are hungry to be associated with sustainable buildings. And I can see that evolving into the opportunity for potentially reduced cost of finance, which then could enhance uh, investor returns if they're able to invest into, into a sustainable hotel. I'm Guy Ruddle, and with me today are two permanent occupants of the hotel sector and one regular visitor. Tim Stoyle is Head of Hotel Valuations for Savills in Europe, the Middle East and Asia. Tim, hello, how are you? Very good. Glad to be here. Thank you. Well, welcome to the podcast. And Richard Dawes is a director focusing on cross-border investment in Europe, Middle East and Asia hotels team. And Richard, you work with investors, developers, uh, all sorts of people, I presume. Every, everyone in the industry, do you? Sure. It's all about transactions. So on either side, the sale or the, or the purchase. And very good to be here. Well, it's, it's, it's lovely to have you. And Marie Hickey is a director of the commercial research team focusing on real estate and hospitality. No stranger to the podcast, Marie. It's lovely to see you again. How are you? Great to be back here with my hotel hat on. So let's talk about the hotel sector generally. It's sort of on a broad thing, is it very similar to other property sectors, Marie, the hotel sector? Does it behave in the same way? There's some similarities you could say to, let's say, the London luxury retail market. But I think what's really interesting about hotels, particularly at this point in time, is actually the drivers, the fundamental drivers driving demand is probably some of the strongest we've seen across all of the real estate sectors at present. And do you guys feel that, Tim, for instance? Do you, are you conscious of that in, with your valuations hat on, that, that there are things in the hotel market which are, which are changing? Yes, there are things that are changing. Certainly demand is changing. We've gone from a sector which was seen as a potential outlier, seen as an alternative, and we're much more front and centre of people's mind. And we're seeing uh, investors from a whole range of geographies and buyer types who are now interested and want to have a piece of the hotel sector. Why is that? Because it offers some incredible returns compared to some of the other sectors. It offers the potential for increases in value in a short term. You're not necessarily tied into a very long-term lease where uh, increase in investor income might be five years away. You can make a, you can make a change to a hotel operating performance which can, which can give you immediate return and benefit. So, uh, Richard, is that what your, your clients are looking for? Because, you know, in, in quite a lot of these sectors, you know, they're buying a property for a yield, and you know, maybe some, some capital appreciation and everything, but they're not getting involved in the operation of that at all. What Tim's suggesting is that perhaps in your world that, that happens more. Yes, I think well, there are various different sort of occupational structures around hotels. That's what makes it fascinating uh, from the owner operators all the way through to the more passive investors that just take the coupon and, and the rent. I think there are sort of several different strategies we're seeing. Some more platform growth, trying to build the hotel groups to drive further economies of scale um, and certainly improving their geographical reach to cover off their customer base. 
effectively. The other is the more agnostic capital, the sector agnostic, uh, that are looking to perhaps uh, diversify their portfolios from the traditional office, industrial, retail uh, uses into others. And hotels is a great platform for that diversification. Um, and we've seen huge capital from, from uh, come over from those UK, European pension uh, funds uh, and to try and capture a bit of that. And is it, how dynamic is it as, as, as a market and in, ter- in terms of sort of, uh, you know, values and things like that? Does it, does it change quite a lot? It changes an enormous amount. And the ultimately, the the ability to change and influence value is dependent upon the operational performance of a hotel. And that's quite distinct from other sectors where you're much more geared to a rental income, which is based on rental comparables. So there's a fundamental difference. And then within that overall operating performance of a hotel, that can be sliced in and diced in very many different ways to create different tranches of income which are treated differently, they're capitalised at different rates, and it allows different types of investors to take a piece of that opportunity. I think just to add as well in terms of the drivers, I think what's really important to flag and why hotels is definitely not an alternative anymore, if you look at the growth in global cross-border tourism and how that's massively exploded over the last 20 years, and also if we look, you know, demographically, you know, millennials, those under 30, are also travelling a lot more. So in terms of the demand of people wanting to stay in hotels, it's you know got very strong basis for growth, which is obviously supporting what we're seeing in the investment and operational markets. Yeah, so... so oh, no, I was just really going to top that up. I think, it, I think it's that structural shift in the market has been phenomenal. And we're seeing this sort of plethora of growth of alternative product within the traditional hotel space. So the apart hotels, service departments, and equally the hostels, where the disposable spend by the youth traveller, again, has rocketed, uh, spending perhaps other people's money, parents' money. Uh, but equally, the silver surfer is, is a big one where we're seeing a lot of the, um, the baby boomers retire, spending their big pension pots. You could look at it the other way around, I guess, though. You know, we've had this massive surge in, in people traveling, especially short breaks and stuff like that. But we're supposed to be more environmentally friendly, supposed to be greener, etc. Uh, you know, plane shame and all that sort of stuff. You know, people might start traveling less and that would be a problem, wouldn't it? Well, not necessarily, because actually I see that as a massive opportunity for the domestic hotels. Whilst we're looking here at European-wide, from a domestic um, uh, domestic standpoint, the, the hotels who are able to position themselves to be attractive to the short UK break market, the UK resort hotels, they all stand to benefit enormously, particularly, I think, if they can overlay some really credible, sustainable fundamentals behind their offering. So maybe, you know, there's easy wins like don't have your, um, bar, your bath towel washed every day. That doesn't really make a hotel more sustainable. But if you look at their energy usage and maybe biomass or maybe um, solar and other ways of actually reducing your energy consumption and you can get that message across to the consumer, I think there's some real, real opportunity for the UK domestic hotel market. And also in Europe, you know, a number of markets, London included in that, you know, are connected via rail. There's going to be a new direct route, London to Amsterdam. If you go into mainland Europe, a lot of the key cities are have excellent, you know, rail links. So I think if we do see, you know, significant growth in that plane chain movement, we'll probably just see a shift of some of that traveller's 
getting to their destinations yeah, by train. I think that's absolutely right. I think Europe is a very porous place from a border perspective. So the reality is a lot of our clients and friends and families, if they live in the Frankfurts or the Munichs or Budapest, they're driving as well. So they're not having to fly to go on their holidays, visit others, etc. So I think it's, uh, yes, from a UK perspective, we've got to cross the channel, but from a European uh, continental perspective, markets are closer. So let's put some numbers on this, because you know, I said right at the beginning that this is a thriving sector. How, I mean, you know, numerically, in terms of volumes and all that sort of stuff, how thriving is it? Well, the, uh, the big stats are we're up at nearly 9-10% investment volumes uh, to $24 billion, which is a pretty significant market. That's covering sort of mainstream Europe. Um, we're expecting that to continue to grow as more sector agnostic capital comes into the market. Again, cross-border activity, so uh, cross-geography, that's pretty stable at around 50-55%, to 55%, and that can testament to the liquidity of the market. I don't know, Marie, from your perspective... Yeah, I suppose from a traveller demand perspective, you know, I mentioned the millennial travellers, you know, we've seen a growth, and this is just in the UK, you know, people aged under 30, in terms of their spend on holiday accommodation, both in the UK and abroad, that's grown by 110% since 2009, excluding inflation. So it just highlights that, you know, that growth we're seeing in terms of demand. Yeah. And what's happening to the valuations, Tim? Well, there's increased demand. There's a relative limitation in stock that's available to be bought. That is inevitably driving down yields and increasing values. So um, we're seeing value growth um, and still a very strong demand appetite to buy hotels. So it does sound, you know, all rosy, but it can't, you know, there's no market which doesn't have risk in it, right? If we look back to... GFC. So London hotels actually only saw one year of decline in Revpar performance, and then it returned to growth. So if that after the global financial crisis, yeah. So started. if that says anything about ability to quickly bounce back, obviously some other markets the bounce back wasn't as quick. But I think if you're betting on a you know key gateway city, you know even if there's economic risks, you know the ability for those markets to bounce back can be quite significant. And the ability to make change is so much quicker. Mm-hmm. So if there is a slight recorrection in pricing, you know, the, the hotel operator has the ability to adapt and innovate and change. And we've seen that time and again in our sector. So what I haven't quite got a handle on yet, Richard, is why now then? You know, because these, these you know, what these two are saying are, are, are things that have been true forever. So why now? Why is it now that everybody wants to invest in hotels? It's, it's an interesting question. I suppose it's just, it's been a bit of a sleeping giant. The reality is we've all been travelling, well, not personally, for thousands of years. But f- fundamentally... I have. <laughs> the, the, it's a much slicker market. You know, a lot of the uh, global groups are PLCs uh, and, and growing, whether that's from the US, Asia, or, the, or, or, or Europe. And with that, the quality of the product, um, quality of the offering, um, sales channels, it's just getting a slick, slicker machine. And have the brands changed? Are there lots of different new Is it more dynamic in terms of brands now? Yeah, I think the variety of brands, you know, some of the hotel groups now have, has particularly over the last sort of three to five years, has definitely exploded. I think there is a definite shift towards what I call lifestyle 
brands and offering whatever that might actually mean. Um, but I think, again, this ties into providing an offer which is a little bit more exciting to the consumer, um, irrespective of actually how old they are. And what happens next? Where Where's... Where's the hotel sector going next? What are the big things that are coming down the road or, or what are the big themes in terms of investment and raising money? And, you know, presumably green is one of them, right, Richard? Yeah, I think there's several things in that in that question. I think the green agenda is, is, is crucial. Um, there's a lot of um, placating press in some instances. I think we are seeing big change from the big corporates that take time, single-use plastics and all, all of that element to it. Uh, equally, I think there are benefits to owners and operators in, in the renewables and fundamentally cheaper and more efficient ways of operating hotels, which will basically be good for the bottom line. We are seeing... Can I, can I add another on. point on that as well? Because one of the things that I've seen from the valuation perspective, a lot of our work ultimately ends up with a lending institution. The banks are hungry to be associated with sustainable buildings. And if we look at what HSBC have been doing, what Santander, what Lloyds, and a number of the others, they're really keen to put their name against a sustainable building when they're looking at lending opportunities. And I can see that evolving into the opportunity for potentially reduced cost of finance, which then could enhance uh, investor returns if they're able to invest into, into a sustainable hotel. And I think with the development pipeline, there's some real, really strong opportunity there as well. I think it's fascinating. And the change is coming pretty quickly, actually. And and the customer base, I think, will have a big impact on that because people are choosing with their wallet. They will go and stay in hotels that they feel is really uh, at the head head of the curve on this. And whether it's smaller, younger hotel companies like Room 2 targeting net carbon zero by next year is pretty phenomenal. Uh, Yes, it's going to take longer for the bigger, older groups because of the nature of the real estate. But I'm really encouraged by what I'm seeing. Where are the great places now, do you think, around Europe? Are there, are there particular hotspots where if, 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 you, if you were going to, I don't know, it's a bit simplistic, buy a hotel, where would you be going? Oh, I've got a t- Only because I just finished a project looking at this, <laughs> so ranking various Europeans. I think Amsterdam's a really interesting market. Um, I, you know, it's seen a shift in terms of profile of visitors, so moving away from stag parties and people going to coffee shops um, to a slightly more market affluent traveller. I think the fact as well, you know, the city has put a restriction on Airbnb supply, also the development of new hotels in the city centre. So I think if you could buy a good hotel in the city centre, you're probably pretty well placed. And the accessibility argument for Amsterdam as well, by both rail from other parts of Europe, including the UK. That's very true. And a very strong airport. Yeah, there's a lot to tick for uh, Amsterdam. Other places? I always try to focus on markets that have got good barriers to entry. So really strong office values, really strong residential values that restrict the growth of the hotel supply, which sort of underpin that good performance growth in in hotels. Um, I like the Milan. Uh, Lisbon is strong. We've seen that in the last 18 months. The Nordics are seeing a little bit of uh, appetite from the sort of more Eurozone and, and south of the Baltic uh, investing into it, uh, Helsinki in particular. But some of these cities come from a small base. Um, we're seeing markets where you have to build it to buy it rather than buy existing because it's too expensive. But as long as you've got a good barriers to entry, good debt cost, uh, which is helping your cash on cash, I'm pretty robust for, for much of Europe, to be honest. What about the UK? Uh, good balance of tourist and well, leisure and corporate. 
I, I like the Baths, the Oxfords, the Cambridges are very strong. And also, if you look at those three markets, they have that same issue in terms of barriers to entry. Historic cities, mix of tourist and uh, corporate demand, and difficult to find sites to build. So there's unlikely to be a big shift in the supply dynamic. Right, it's time for the Savile Standout Statistic. Nobody gets to come into this studio without coming up with a Savile Standout Statistic before they leave. Marie, you've been here before, so this is old hat to you. You two have not been here before. Were you warned about this? Have you got one prepared? I'm ready. Absolutely. Yes, thank you, Guy. Good. Tim, why don't you go first? What is your Savile Standout Statistic? So, over the last five years, within the UK, the supply of hotel bedrooms has increased by 10.3%. Ordinarily, that might sound alarming, but over the same period, we've seen overseas visitor arrivals increase by 12%, and the spend from overseas visitors increase by 14%. Sounds like a good market to be in if demand is outstripping supply. Uh, Richard, what's your Savile standout stat? So, I've sort of gone on the, the sort of capital investment theme. Effectively, if we look at that sector agnostic money, uh, the sort of newer capital coming in and that, that big growth, it's about the last two years, what that net growth is from acquisitions versus their disposals, because they often do sell some product. Two years ago, it grew by 110% year on year. And last year, it grew by 140% year on year. Wow. Huge growth. That's massive. And those are all people that are coming to you saying, where shall I spend my money? That's the plan. God. Marie, what's your Savile standout stat yeah, today? My standout stat is about millennials because you probably think they are always going on holiday. I think they actually are. If we look at spending on holiday accommodation, both in the UK and internationally, since 2009, that's grown by 110%, excluding inflation. So you can really see, you know, people are definitely travelling a lot more. It's just a splurge of Big positive numbers and percentages on the Savile Standout stat today. That's been great. Thank you all very much for being here. I hope you've enjoyed it. That's it for this episode. If you want to find out more about the hotels market or any other market actually in the property world, you can do so at the research section of the Savile's website, savills.co.uk forward slash research. There's loads of stuff there. There's also loads of stuff on other episodes of Real Estate Insights. So if you're not a subscriber to us, then feel free to become one using your usual podcast provider. In the meantime, thank you for listening. See you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.